KCSB FM Santa Barbara 91.9, this is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi with KCSB News. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving, spending quality time with family and friends. With everyone coming back from their travels, UCSB students are preparing for finals and the end of the fall quarter, and everyone else is getting ready for the holiday season. In recent news, the Omicron variant has also been announced to be a new COVID variant that is to be concerned about. President Biden released a statement on the 26th advising eligible vaccinated adults to get their booster shots and for those who have not been vaccinated to get their vaccines today. Moving on to the topic of tonight's show, UCSB's perpetual housing crisis is being met by the plan of Munger Hall, an 11-story windowless dorm for UCSB students that will house about 4,500 students in single rooms. This has been a controversial building plan that has been met by student protests, petitions, and international news coverage. The single rooms of Munger Hall have sparked a discussion about possible mental health effects on students living in self-isolation. In a minute, we'll hear from Pamela Reeves, a former UCSB psychiatrist, talk to us about the mental health side of why Munger Hall is seen to be an inappropriate design for a college dorm. And later on in the show, you'll hear from Isla Vista residents and UCSB students on whether they would want to live in Munger Hall, as well as how they feel about the announcement of the new COVID variant. But to start off the show, here is Pamela Reeves. My name is Dr. Pamela Reeves, MD. I am a locally based retired psychiatrist here in Santa Barbara. I moved here in April of 2002 and started working here at the UCSB Student Health Services, where I was employed for about five years. And then I opened a private practice here in town. I retired from medicine in 2010 due to some medical complications I I have. Prior to that, I was in Boston for about 22 years at Harvard um, on their faculty, and um, I was an uh, assistant clinical professor at Harvard, and my last job that I held there was a residency training director for the adult psychiatry program. And prior to that, I worked as the director of the psychopharmacology service and also as the consultant to the Victims of Violence program. With Munger Hall's model, including single rooms with no windows, I wanted to ask Pamela what the effects of living in self-isolation would be like for college students. Well, um, I am not an architect, and it's not a hobby of mine. However, I do really appreciate architecture and feel that it is really an essential part of creating health and wellness in our lives. I mean, there's a reason prisons look like prisons, and at least in this country. I've I've had the privilege of going to and consulting in some jails actually over um, in Scandinavia, and they're very different. So at least what I can gather from 
from what I've seen of uh, Mr. Munger's proposed plan, um, it's um, it's not a plan that uh, I think is conducive to reducing social isolation. Although I realize, at least from what I understand him saying, that he believes, contrary to that, that it will actually be conducive to increasing social isolation. And this could lead to a lot of mental health issues in the college students that might be living in these dorms. If you have any statistics or data, what are like the current rates of depression in college students? They're actually quite high, about uh, 43% of college-age students actually have depression, undergraduate, 43%. It's quite high. So, and the symptoms of depression include depressed mood, something called anhedonia, which means you don't get pleasure from things. So for instance, if you like ping pong, you, when you're depressed, you don't care about ping pong. Sleep disturbance is one of the hallmarks of depression. And either getting too much sleep or too little sleep are often one of the main symptoms. These are called neurovegetative. So if you think of a plant, plants need light. Um, and when people have depression, their sleep is off because of their brain chemistry. So a dorm like this would, uh, I believe, interfere with their circadian rhythm. And we're just now really starting to understand the importance of circadian rhythm in mood disorders, as well as anxiety. Um, Loss of interest is one of the main things that we see in depression. Uh, You know, so the kinds of things, again, that you like to do, you don't really care about. Feeling more guilty about things. And the way I usually ask people that question is, because a a lot of students, as you know, a lot of people are kind of... um, working really hard and they're hard on themselves. So, you know, I should, I should, why didn't I? And it's not just students. It's also that age group. You know, you're coming to be an adult starting that path at least. And I think 18 to 24 year olds second guess themselves all the time. You know, how did I come across? What did they think of me? That sort of thing. And I, I, I think all the social media has made things much worse. Energy uh, is one of the other major things we look at, and low energy in particular is uh, one of the diagnostic hallmarks of of depression. So just even getting out of bed or daily grooming or trying to do your laundry or go to class, a lot of that may not happen with somebody who has depression because of that lack of energy. Uh, Loss of concentration is one of those things, which will, you know, obviously affect a college student. Um, And I think things are even dicier now that some are, I guess, in-person classes and some are online. And again, we have really no good data coming. We're not even coming out of this COVID crisis, but um, we do know that um, even without COVID, Loss of concentration is one of the hallmarks of depression. Change in appetite. People either tend to lose weight or gain weight. Um, And often when people are depressed, they'll they'll just eat whatever is handy, (laughs) you know. 
As Pamela had just mentioned how COVID has had a strong impact on the general mental health for college students from the entire year of remote learning, most of the world's population also faced an increase in stress from the lack of socialization. Along with Munger Hall, we're also talking about COVID, which continues to be a long-standing stressor for our population, especially with the new Omicron variant. Here's Logan Porter, a third-year psychological and brain sciences major at UCSB, talking about his concerns with the new COVID variant and his personal struggles with online learning last year. Kind of worried because we've been through this before with the Delta variant, and I really don't want classes to go back online. And if they do due to the variant, I don't know how, like, the population, like, our student population is going to do, like, Mentally, if that makes sense, yeah. Like, going online, I know myself and all my housemates didn't have the greatest time in terms of, like, dealing with mental health issues that are very prominent, like anxiety and depression, um, myself included. So I don't think it's going to go over well if the variant does, like, infect IV and UCSB as a whole, so... Maggie Grisco, an undergraduate UCSB student, adds by expressing how she feels about the Omicron variant and how switching back to remote learning might affect the mental health of UCSB students. Um, when I heard about it, to be honest, I wasn't really surprised. I feel like this disease just keeps, I don't know, multiplying. <laughs> um, I mean, they didn't really do anything for the Delta variant. And I mean, the university really hasn't done anything other than shut down from like the original like coronavirus strain. So with this one, I'm just like, okay, I'm just I'm just here to see like whenever you guys shut us down. I have I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to expect anymore. I've learned to just vibe. Mental health is going to plummet. It was already plummeting. It's still plummeting. I mean, like CAPS is totally like overbooked and stuff like that. So I think this will just be some people's final straw, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I'm really hoping we don't go back online. I'm just sort of like quietly manifesting, but I know that it's definitely a possibility and a very real possibility. So, Mental health in relation to COVID has really changed for college students, and Pamela Reeves will continue on in discussing how the existing rates of mental health issues might increase and affect student academics, as well as what most people don't ask about when choosing a university. And the rates are already so high for mental health issues in yeah. like students this dorm could possibly interfere with how they live their normal life too and also their academics, right? Mm-hmm. And that would create a bad reputation for the university in the end, right? If academics start going lower with the increase of mental health issues, would that be possible? I think it is. Yeah, absolutely. I think often when somebody, and I know this because Partly, you know, I, I also have four children. They're adults. They're 39, 35, 30, and 26. And just even going to look at college campuses, you go to look at a campus often, and you look at the library, and you look at the gym facilities, and you know something about the reputation. Almost no one asks about what are the mental health services available to my child. 
And that is a, a key question to ask. And you want to know what is available. How does that work? Whether you're a student or a parent looking, you know, with your student at a potential college. The dorm situations are part of that. Who, who are going to be their RAs? Do those RAs know anything about mental health and mental illness? Do they know when a situation might be, um, you know, a sign of something more dangerous? And my worry is that with, I think the capacity is 4,500 students and you know, in these, I'm going to call them cells, because to me, that's what they are, of uh, eight students per, and um, layer upon layer upon layer, up to 11 stories, the possibility of isolation is tremendous. And I realize, at least I gather from Mr. Munger's comments that I've seen in the New York Times and the Independent in um, the LA Times, um, that at least in his mind, he imagines that this will lead to students wanting to go and socialize more and decrease isolation. But as a clinician who's worked with the college population, you know, I've been doing this for over 40 years, I, I disagree with that fantasy is what I'll call it, or that, that idea that that's, that's going to, that the architecture is going to lead to more socialization. I I truly do not believe that. Mm -hmm. And touching back on you being a mother, can you give like a parent perspective on how you feel about Munger Hall? Like, would you want your children living in this kind of space? No. And in fact, I was talking with uh, my husband last night, who's also a psychiatrist. And I said, would you let one of our kids uh, be in a space like that? And he said, no. And part of it is we, again, are not architects, but we are psychiatrists. We are scientists. We do know about the effects of circadian rhythm, socialization, Again, your 18 to 25 is the highest rate of depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. That's when people are most likely to have their first episodes. And we know that early intervention leads to better outcomes later on. My concern with this hall is that early intervention is going to be, uh, I would want to know what's in place for that. That was Pamela Reeves, a former UCSB psychiatrist, talking about how herself, as a parent, would not want her children to live in a dorm such as Munger Hall. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi with KCSB News. Today, we're speaking about mental health in relation to Munger Hall's windowless single rooms and the impact that the new Omicron variant might have on the current student population. Students in college are already struggling with the stresses of the housing crisis, the pandemic, and just the general life. And we just heard Pamela's disapproval for her kids to live in Munger Hall. Let's hear from some current UCSB students on how they would feel living in one of Munger Hall's rooms. Here's Kaylee, a second-year psychological and brain sciences major at UCSB, expressing how she would feel. 
speaking as someone who's like dealt with like dark thoughts i probably like want to kill myself <laughs> uh do you think your college experience would be different if you were living in a self-isolated room yes um i think it would be really hard for me to like find friends and socialize if i was a first year coming in and living there because i'm already a pretty introverted person and so i think if i wasn't with roommates or i didn't i wasn't like living with somebody i think that i would just feel even more alone just as kaylee said their roommates helped them feel less lonely living in the dorms College can be a scary change for many students, and it's hard to deal with these changes when you're alone. Trevor Lin, a third-year biopsychology student here at UCSB, tells us how his roommates helped him grow and socialize during his first year as a UCSB student. You know, having a roommate was nice in the fact that, you know, he, he had his own friends, I had his own friends, but he would bring his friends over, and he was an international student too. So he would bring his international student friends over and they would tell me everything about their life and I would ask them about it. So I'd meet tons of different backgrounds that I wouldn't have otherwise because my hall was specifically for honor students. And um, it wasn't just a congregation of international students like my roommate's friends. So I got to experience a lot of different things that I don't think that people in single rooms could experience because number one, having a roommate kind of in a way forces you to get out of your room to meet new people you know having the option to just shut yourself in because you have a single room really kind of hurts you in the long run because you don't you miss out on a lot of opportunities to meet new people and potentially meet new friends and social connections and also to have the social support that you need Everything feels new when you start your life as a college student, and often it's also the first time you're away from your family. Many students might take this time to explore with substance use, and in other cases, this leads to substance abuse when using drugs and alcohol to cope with the stresses of change. Pamela Reeves adds on to this. Well, uh, another thing we know is that rates of substance abuse are way up, even in populations, um, I'm saying this partly because of COVID, a lot of people are using more alcohol, using other drugs more. I'll be interested to see what the um, data is coming out of um, opioid use disorders, that sort of thing during COVID. But students do experiment more when they're in college Finding access to pretty much any substance anywhere is not a problem. So if you're more isolated, if you need that alcohol or that um, hit of marijuana or, God forbid, a snort of, you know, oxy to decrease your anxiety to go and try and, you know, meet a girl or meet a guy or, you know, whatever it is. It, that increases your risk because, again, depression will lead to more, you know, decrease in self-confidence. And often, a lot of times, people start using substances as a way to increase their self-confidence. And just with that being a problem, 
that could also lead to like overdose in living in these single rooms in Munger Hall, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. And even in a, in a general population, somebody with an o- opioid use disorder, let's say, who's managed to come off it or is on Suboxone or a substance like that, a lot of times before they're going to go onto some sort of su- supported treatment, we don't use methadone anymore, we use Suboxone, they'll do, you know, one more hit or one more snort. And that's when they die, because their tolerance has has gone down and they end up overdosing, not necessarily intentionally. And when when you allow people to isolate to that degree, um, it's a it's a very, I think, dicey situation for um, self-harm. And I include things like cutting eating disorders, uh, you know, the bulimia that may go on. Isolation is just not good for any of those things. Sometimes there's not enough access to like mental health programs and counseling in the area. How can students look for help if they are dealing with something like that? Well, the Student Health Center at UCSB is a wonderful establishment there on campus. The problem is that the access is such that it's not set up really for acute kind of emergencies. Now, that being said, if somebody came through the door and said, you know, I'm going to kill myself and here's how I'm going to do it, they would get that person probably to the emergency room at Cottage right away. It happens all the time. What's in a way more dangerous is that If you have depression or if you're struggling, and and these things almost never happen alone. In other words, in in isolation, people who have depression often have anxiety disorders and or also have substance abuse disorders, or people with anxiety will often have substance abuse disorders. People with ADHD, and we know there are probably at least 35 to 50% of the student population with some form of ADD, they're far more likely to have a substance use disorder. So I just think that uh, substances, you know, we, we use them, people use them to often to self-medicate and then you end up uh, with a problem because they become addictive. And it's better to to have access to a safer way, you know, for for medication and therapy. And um, students do have access to both of those things. But it takes volition. It takes, yes, I want to do something about this. I'm going to go do this. And the problem, again, that I am concerned about with this dorm is that if you were somebody who had depression or, you know, anxiety, let's say social phobia or panic disorder, it's, you, you don't have a roommate, somebody who's laying eyes on you every day who can say, you know what, you need help and I'm going to take you. I'm going to help you because that person can be in that room by themselves with the door shut you know, what do they have built into to check on those students? I don't know. 
I don't know if that's even been thought of. As Pamela just mentioned, there's a danger in students dealing with stress, anxiety, depression, and other mental health struggles on their own. And these self-isolating rooms that Munger Hall plans to build would only make matters worse. Here's Logan Porter again, talking about how beneficial it was for him to live in a dorm with roommates. I lived in, tri- in a triple my first year, so having that roommate to like come back to and decompress after class or like just late at night when you come back from hanging out with friends, like it's it's very valuable and like helped me kind of deal with some problems that I was dealing with my first year. Just having somebody that like understood where I was coming from and yeah. The students we spoke with all valued having a roommate despite having typical roommate conflicts. But now we go back to Pamela Reeves, a former UCSB psychiatrist, as we talk about students coming into college struggling with prior mental health issues. I don't have the statistics on it, but I would say clinically. I was, you know, at UCSB for five years, and as I said before, that seeing a whole, not just students, but back in, in, in Massachusetts, one of the things that struck me and I found day in and day out was, I don't know, at least two people would come in. They would say, I, when I found out I got into college and I was coming here, I decided to stop my medicine. I was taking Lexapro or I was taking Zoloft or I was taking effects or whatever it is, but I wanted to come to college and not be taking it, any medicine, have a fresh start. And my first question is usually, how long ago was that? And it's usually six to eight weeks before that medicine is out of their system. And I think that, um, you know, six to eight week time after starting school, especially for freshmen, is a, is a very high risk time because they, there are many who, who just decide, I'm not going to take this medicine anymore. And I'll say, were you having side effects? No, I just, I thought I was okay. I thought I was fine. I was fine. So I thought I didn't need it anymore. And well, I think the, the most important thing is that the focus needs to be on student health. And um, I do not believe, in fact, I, 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 as Mr. McFadden apparently said, you know, uh, as an architect, as a parent, as a human being, I cannot support this building. And I would say the same thing as a psychiatrist, as, as a mother, as a human being. To me, this is a dangerous, very expensive experiment that we do not have enough information at all to, in my opinion, put this kind of money behind this kind of experiment. Students should not be experimented on. They're busy enough. They have a hard enough time trying to get their education and stay well. 
You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. That was Pamela Reeves, a former UCSB psychiatrist, joining us in the discussion about mental health dangers with the model of Munger Hall. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. A couple of announcements before we go. Today is World AIDS Day. The Santa Barbara County Public Health Department is joining local partners to recognize the achievements made in HIV prevention. This year's theme is Ending the HIV Epidemic, Equitable Access, Everyone's Voices. In addition to that, this Friday on December 3rd, the Isla Vista Parks and Recreation Department is hosting Lights, Love, and Community, a holiday lighting celebration at Estero Park from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi. Our theme music is Siesta by Jazzer, and you also heard At Our Best Alone and Ether Ridges by Blue Dot Session. This is 91.9 FM KCSB.